This podcast is a production of Phoenix Media. Explore more episodes of this show and other great shows on the Phoenix Media Podcast Network by visiting phoenixmedia.us. The views expressed do not necessarily represent those of the company or its advertisers and may contain language that's unsuitable for younger listeners. Thank you for tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater. I'm your host, Christian Phoenix. Now, growing up as a comic book fan of the 80s and 90s, I've always been fascinated with how storytellers translated these iconic heroes from the page to film, television, and radio. Long before we got the big-budget CGI epics we enjoy today, children gathered around their radios to hear their favorite do-gooders come to life with little more than their imaginations and these broadcasts from a time long forgotten. I invite you to gather around your radio for this presentation of Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater. Faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Able to sweep tall buildings in a single bound. Look, up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane, it's Superman! Yes, it's Superman, strange visitor from another planet, who came to Earth with powers and abilities far beyond those of mortal men. Superman, defender of law and order, champion of equal rights, valiant, courageous fighter against the forces of hate and prejudice, who is today unaware that thousands of miles above him, a tiny silver radar rocket hangs motionless in space as its three occupants try to find some means of meeting their dilemma. We'll join them in a moment, but right now we have a surprise. For waiting to talk to you is the man of steel himself. Come in, Superman. Fellows and girls, our president, Truman, has given this week a special name, Brother Week. And that name has a special meaning for every one of us. You know, our weapon that helped most to win the war was the spirit of unity. Everybody pitched in and cooperated with everybody else like brothers. Nowadays, that same spirit is just as important to help keep our country the kind we want to grow up in. Actually, hate hurts no one but ourselves. But tolerance. The attitude of looking for the good that's in every person, regardless of race, creed, or national background, can help a lot to make each one of us really strong in character, and to make our whole nation strong. So let's go all out for real, honest-to-goodness teamwork. That will help make America greater than ever before. Now to our story. Unknown to either Clark Kent or Perry White, or even his mother... Jimmy Olsen, together with Poco, the little man from Utopia who talks in rhyme, took off with Professor Timothy T. Twiddle in a professor's radar rocket. Their destination, the moon. It was Professor Twiddle's theory that the rocket could ride a radar beam through the moon and back in little more than an hour. But yesterday, as you remember, while seeing through space at 5,000 miles a minute, the rocket suddenly stopped short and hung suspended in the sky like a big silver cigar. Someone at the radar machine in Professor Twiddle's house on Earth had cut off the beam, leaving them hanging in space. Unable to move either up or down. And, as the professor pointed out, they had only enough oxygen to last 24 hours. At that point, Professor Twiddle produced two live pigeons he had brought along. When he saw them, Jimmy was struck with an idea. Listen. Oh, boy. Those pigeons are going to save our lives. Get a pencil, Poco. A pencil and a piece of paper. Hurry. Oh, paper, pencil. Hurry, hurry. Hurry, scary, worry, scary. Look, my beard, what are you doing with a paper and a piece of pencil? Oh, think, Professor. Think. The pigeons. Pigeons? The pigeons? But my dear pigeons got right. Oh, no, no. You don't understand. What are pigeons used for? Well, some people eat them. Oh, oh is that what you have to No, no, not that. What else? 
Chestnut by bed. I'm really not a pigeon expert, you know. Oh, think, Professor. Think. Pigeons fly, don't they? Why? Why, yes, of course. They carry messages, don't they? Carry messages? Oh, you've heard of carrier pigeons. Bloods, my beard, yes. Well, that's what we're going to do. We'll send those pigeons back to Earth with messages. Poker, what about the paper and pencil? I've got the paper that I but is that a single pencil around? Oh, never mind. Bring the paper. I've got a pen. Just a minute, young man. Professor, could you please stop calling me young man? My name is Jim. Jim or Jimmy? Uh, yes, yes, of course. Now, look here. These pigeons. Uh, here's the paper. Oh, thanks, Poco. Oh, what were you saying, Professor? I was about to say that you needn't have bothered with the paper. Oh, how can we send messages down to Earth if we don't write them on paper? You can't send messages to Earth. Why not? One, these aren't carrier pigeons. Two, even if they were, you seem to forget we're suspended 10,000 miles above the Earth. How long do you think it would take for a pigeon to fly 10,000 miles? Oh, gosh, I forgot about that. Pigeons fly at a maximum speed of 50 miles an hour. Maximum, mind you, maximum. That means it would take them 200 hours to reach the Earth. At the moment, we have enough pigeons to fly sufficient for 18 hours. Well, it was a good idea anyway. Hey, James, supposing you got me down. Maybe I'd land in a village of town. There's no time for jokes. Oh, it isn't a joke. I'm quite sincere. Oh, I should be punished for putting you here. Oh, forget it. It's my own fault. X equals four square over twelve and ratio to C minus R seven plus nine. Huh? Uh, I was just thinking about the pigeon and your idea about sending messages to Earth. Oh, you said it couldn't be done. I was just thinking. Since we are in a devoid of atmosphere, there would be no resistance to the flight of the pigeon. No air resistance, that is. They might be able to drop to Earth at an incredible speed. Do you think so? Do you really think so? Very likely. How fun to say, oh, Pidgey's nice. Oh, I hope they haven't twiddled right. Oh, Professor Federal, if you please, Popo. Oh, yes, sir, Professor. Then, then should I write the messages, Professor? Pidgey, Pidgey, but every minute counts. We're going to send them down. Let's do it. The one big problem is, will they go down? What if they go up? Why do you have to think of things like that? One must think of everything. Now, let me see. Ah, I have it. We'll weight them. Wait them. Tie something heavy to one of their legs. Then they can't fly up. They'll have to fly down. A key. A key. Do either of you have a key? Oh, I've got the key to my house and the key to the office. Let me have it. Here. Thank you. I, uh... Okay. Go to Inspector Henderson and the other to Clark Kent. Yes. Why should be sent to Mr. Kent? What do I say? Oh, tell them we're stuck. Oh, someone else patient. We don't believe it's a healthy place. Oh, use your head, Poco. What? Crap. They can't come up here and get us. Oh, then tell them to go to... Where? Oh, I don't know. Oh, you're a great help. Uh, Professor Twiddle. Yes? Well, what do I write in the messages? Just a moment. I'm tying the second key up. Uh, now, what was it? Well, these messages. Well, what do I say in them? There's only one thing you can say. Tell whoever you're writing them to to go at once to my house at 607 Winthrop Street and see what's wrong with the radar machine. At the same now, time... wait a minute. I can't write that fast. Mr. Twiddle Tower at 607 Winthrop Street. Okay. See what's wrong with radar machine. Correct. Okay, go ahead. Tell them to inform us we are suspended in the ionosphere without a radar beam. Without a radar beam. And to give us one immediately. One immediately. Is that all? That's plenty. Well, I'll have to say something about our being stuck up here in this rocket so Mr. Kent and Inspector Henderson will understand. Uh, yes, yes, of course. Oh, Poco, while I'm writing out the second message, see if you can find some string to tie them on the pigeons. Oh, a rubber band would be just right. What are we going to find rubber bands? Oh, I, I think I've got a slew of them. Oh, yes, and many more than two of them. Not my beard, so yes. Oh, good boy, Poco. I'll be finished with this in a minute. Gosh, I sure hope it works. I, one, wouldn't get a hit. Well, if it doesn't, our goose is cooked. Oh, I wish I had a goose, too. I'm getting hungry, I'm sure. Keep away from those pigeons, Poco. Oh, it wouldn't help me if I took them. There isn't any cell to cook them. We can talk about it. Pigeons mean life or death to us. There. Both messages are written. Now, let's have the rubber bands, Poco. You'd better let me put the pigeons. They know my touch. All right. Here. There. 
That's where my fine beauties. That's it, Professor. Talk to them. Tell them they've got to get those messages down. Oh. Now, listen, Pigeon, you've got to get the... Uh, nonsense. I'm quite sure they wouldn't understand me. Uh, that's one. Now the other. Start praying, Poker. And keep all your fingers crossed. All ready. Good. Now, how do we get them out of here? We'll have to open the door. But just for a moment. We mustn't lose oxygen. I'll hold the gate while you move the bolts and swing the door open. Out of the way, Poker. We can't open the door too far. Just enough for us to fly out. I know. Then we must slam it shut fast. Now, the bolts first. Now the door. Quickly. What? Out with you. There they go. Close the door. Hurry. Bless my head. I, I just remembered something. How stupid of me. What is it, Professor? Those pigeons can never reach the earth alive. There isn't enough oxygen. Oh, will they get there at all? Even dead? That all depends. If they die before they reach the Earth's atmosphere, that is, if they fail to get to the region where the Earth's gravity will pull them down, then they'll be suspended in space as as we are. Forever. Shocked. Feeling as though all is lost, Jimmy stares through a portal and watches the two pigeons fly out into endless space, carrying messages for Clark Kent and Inspector Henderson. Can they possibly reach the Earth 10,000 miles away? If they do... Will the messages be delivered? Now, back to the adventures of Superman. Long hours have gone by since the pigeons were released into space. The darkness has melted into daylight. High above the earth, Jimmy, Poco, and Professor Swiddle sit suspended in space. And with each passing minute, their hope wanes. Meanwhile, at the Daily Planet, Clark Kent, unaware of Jimmy's strange predicament, answers the phone as it rings. Kent speaking. Oh, good morning, Inspector. On the job right now, aren't you? Well, early, but not too bright. <laughs> what? It's about time for the don't forget to realize the police department is one of your playthings. What was that? You heard me. You have more important things to do down here than take part in crackpot jokes. Oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. I don't know what you're driving at. This is what I'm driving at. I just got a long-distance call from the chief of police of Ellenville. So? It's found in Pennsylvania. Well? Somebody picked up a dead pigeon with a message on it, right? Yes? The message was me. Oh. What did it say? What didn't it say? What is it? Inspector Henderson. We are stuck in the sky 10,000 miles from the Earth. What? Please go to 607 Winthrop Street and find out what happened to the radar. Tell Gus we must have a radar beam immediately. Sign Jim Olsen. I don't understand it. You don't understand it. Well, who do you think does? Tell him. When you see Olsen, tell him for me. But I don't think this sort of stuff is funny. I don't understand it, Inspector. It doesn't sound like Jim at all. You tell him to grow up and stop playing games. Or I'll have his police card taken away. And not only that, I have a lot. Hold on a minute, Ken. Okay. Inspector, but I'm going to find out. Bye. Winthrop. Off of these clothes. Uh-oh, that door's unlocked. What comes in here now? I'm... Damn. There. That does it. Uh-oh, great Scott. Here comes close. Up with the window. Out. And away! Came from the open window a split second before Lois Lane enters his office. Superman zooms over the Daily Planet and heads across the street. Red cape streaming in the wind. What will he find at 607 Winthrop Street? the home of Professor Twiddle. You'll be surprised when you find out, so be sure to listen tomorrow. Same time, same station. Tune in and follow the adventures of Superman. Behold my pleasures. Ooh, you'll be doing something right here, huh? It's 
From the original Loot Crate, the Loot Crate DX collectible boxes, dude! Cowabunga! To the Loot Gaming video game box! Woohoo! Yeehoo! Wowzers! With crates starting as large as 11 dollars per month, those are backs just about for all collectors. To get your geek on, head over to phoenixmedia.us forward slash loot crate and claim your exclusive offer. That's f-e-n-i-x media.us forward slash loot crate. Great Scott! Snap into a loot crate, it. You're tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater, presented by Phoenix Media. Up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane, no, it's Superman. Faster than a speeding bullet, more powerful than a locomotive, able to leap tall buildings at a single bound. Look, up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane, it's Superman! Yes, it's Superman, strange visitor from another planet who came to Earth with powers and abilities far beyond those of mortal men. Superman, defender of law and order, champion of equal rights, valiant, courageous fighter against the forces of hate and prejudice, who is today en route to Professor Twiddle's house in response to Jimmy Olsen's urgent message. We'll learn what he discovers there in a moment. But right now, let's join our good friend, Dan McCullough. You know, uh, along about this time of year, we all uh, get kind of impatient for spring when the good old sun shines better and more often. But here's a way you can have sunny cheerfulness at breakfast any day in the year. Just eat lots of Kellogg's Pep. Yes, sir. Pep has a sunny, golden, toasted flavor and crisp freshness that makes mighty good eating. But that's not the only way Pep ties in with good golden sunshine. No, sir. There's sunshine vitamin D, too, that helps build strong bones and teeth. Your daily minimum need in every serving of Kellogg's Pep. And don't forget the prize in every package of this sunny breakfast cereal. Comic buttons. Real, true-to-life pictures of your favorite comic strip characters done up on gleaming, bright-colored buttons that you're mighty proud to wear pinned on your jacket or your dress or cap. It's a load of fun to collect these pet comic buttons and swap duplicates with your pals. So hop to it, gang, get busy, and collect all 18 buttons in the series. They're so easy to get, too. You don't send in any money, not even a box stop. And you can't buy these comic buttons anywhere. All you do is to make sure that your family eats lots of Kellogg's Pep. Because there's an exciting prize for you in every package of P-E-P Pep. Made by Kellogg's of Battle Creek. Now, the adventures of Superman. When Professor Twiddle's fantastic radar rocket in which Jimmy Olsen and Popo, the little rhymester, were taking a trip to the moon, suddenly stopped high above the earth and hung like a great silver cigar in the endless heavens, the situation looked serious. In desperation, when he learned there was only enough oxygen in the rocket to last 24 hours, Jimmy released a pair of pigeons the professor had brought along, hoping they would reach the earth with messages addressed to Clark Kent and Inspector Henderson. And by some miracle, they did. Kent, as Superman, decided to investigate the address Jimmy had given, 607 Winthrop Street, where, meanwhile, on the third floor of Professor Twiddle's house, a tall, red-haired man wearing glasses attached to a black silk ribbon is carefully folding a number of sheets of paper covered with strange symbols and mathematical equations, while his companion, a short, stocky, bull-necked individual in a black-and-white check suit, stands by nervously and finally speaks. Hey, uh... Let me help you with them, Doc. Your four hands is better than two, huh? No, Rocky, okay. they explains the Twiddle's radar machine. They're too valuable to trust your bungling fingers. 
in almost 24 hours to get them down on paper. Yeah, that's what I don't like. We've, we've been here too long. I'm getting jittery. Yeah, don't worry, Rocky. Don't worry, he says. Look, suppose somebody finds out we cut off the, what do you call it, beam? Radar beam. Yeah, yeah, and left this professor guy cooling his heels up in the sky someplace. What's going to happen to us then? Well, nobody will find out. Says you. Maybe the professor told somebody he was going to take a trip to the moon. So when he don't come back... He didn't tell anyone except Gus, his assistant. You didn't have to worry about him. How do you know he didn't tell anyone? Use your head. If it was known he was going to try to reach the moon, there would have been a hundred newspaper reporters around this house. Thousands of spectators. We haven't seen anyone, have you? No, oh, just I... a moment. I want to make sure that drawing is every part of this radar machine. Attention's worth millions, but... Hey, hey, you wouldn't kid me. Reason it out for yourself. It was since man discovered there were other planets. He dreamed of traveling to them. Professor Twiddle's radar rocket not only makes it a planetary travel possible, it'll revolutionize aviation as we know it. Yeah, but why should any guy want to risk his neck going to another planet when he can stay in Brooklyn or Jersey, eh? And if he's got the dough, he can go down to Miami Beach in the winter. <laughs> Yeah, some human beings are more curious than you, Rocky. And more far-sighted. Yeah, suckers, I call them. But if they'll pay us millions, like you say, for them drawings you made, it's okay with me. Look, come on now, Doc. You've got all the stuff in your brief pick and take. Let's blow, huh? Yes, I think I had everything. Ah, <laughs> uh, poor Twiddle. Suspended in interplanetary space somewhere, I burned to a crisp by the direct rays of a sun. Well, I warned him he'd be wise to do business with me. Oh, never mind about him. Well, let's get going. Wait, Rocky. Haven't you forgotten something? Let me see. Uh, got my gun in my pocket, my cap on my head. You haven't anything in your head. What about Professor Twiddle's assistant, Gus? Oh, yeah, you're right. I forgot all about him. You're going to leave him tied up in the closet, weren't you? How long do you suppose it'd be before they got loose and told the police about us? Well, leave it to me, Doc. I'll fix him so he can't tell the cops nothing. Hey, what's that? Sounded like something landed on the roof. Hey, Doc, look. The roof's opening up. Yes, it's rolling back. Rocky, who's that? What? A man in a blue costume and red cape. Holy. He's going to jump into the room. Quick, Rocky, let him have it. Okay. I'll take that gun. You mean you'll take what's in it? You're wasting your bullets on me, chum. Let's have that gun. I got him, Rocky. You got me, eh? Shoot, Rocky, shoot. I did, but the bullets bounced off him. You're crazy. Shoot again. Oh, no one to play, huh? Well, I hate to be rough, but you tried to commit murder, and I'm in a hurry. So I'll just wrap your heads lightly together Rocky, like this. Get and again. And again. And again. Oh, no. That should quiet you two for a few minutes. Now to get the chap in the closet untied and find out what this is all about. All right, relax. I'll have this gag out of your mouth in a moment. There. No, you got here just in time. They were going to shoot Yes, me. I know. I, I saw them. Okay, now start talking while I get these ropes off your arms and legs. Who are you? My name's Gus. I'm Professor Twiddle's assistant. Oh, where'd you come from? Never mind me. Who are those two men? And what's Jim Olsen got to do with all this? The one with the red hair is Dr. Marsh. He cut off the radar beam yesterday and radar stopped beam. the rocket. What rocket? Professor Twiddle's radar rocket. The professor's in it and Jim Olsen and Poco. What? They're stuck up in space somewhere. They must be dead by now. I told the professor not to try. Wait a minute. But he wouldn't listen to me. I wait, I him. said, wait. Are you trying to tell me that Jim Olsen and Poco are in a rocket? Yes, Professor Twiddle's radar rocket. They were going to the moon. The moon? I kept telling the professor no good would come of it, but he wouldn't listen. Now look what happened. Dr. Marsh and that fellow sneaked in here yesterday, right after the professor took off. They held me up and turned off the radar beam. Oh, that's what Jim's note meant. The rocket's suspended in space. It was. Don't waste time talking. I suppose that's the radar machine over there. Yes, Then but... turn on the beam again. Hurry. Here, I'll help you to your feet. 
I'll turn it on, but it's no use. How do you know? Hurry. It's no use to tell you. Why? They took off almost 24 hours ago. So? By now, the rocket must have been burned up by the sun, the electron streams from sunspots, or the cosmic rays in space itself. Never mind, never mind. Get that radar beam working. That's what I'm doing, but we're too late. Maybe not. There's no maybe about it. Even if the rocket wasn't burned up, it's still done for. They only had oxygen for 24 hours. What time do they leave? Ten minutes after three yesterday afternoon. Five after one now, so they still have two hours to go. Well, how about that radar beam? Is it working? No. Something's wrong with the machine. What? I can't get it working. Oh, if only the professor had listened to me. All right, I... all right, never mind that. We've got to get that radar beam working. Let's check the connection. I just did, and they're okay. Something's wrong with the machine itself. Might take hours, even days, to find out what's wrong. Great Scott, then what will we do? Even I can't search all through space for them. What will we do? Helplessly, Superman and Gloomy Gus stand before the huge radar machine. And even the Man of Steel can see no way to help his friends. Now, back to the adventures of Superman. On the top floor of Professor Twiddle's house in Metropolis, Superman and Gloomy Gus, the professor's sad-faced assistant, have just discovered that the radar machine is out of order, and they cannot direct a radar beam to their friends in the rocket suspended 10,000 miles from Earth in the great emptiness of space. Now think, think, Gus. You helped Professor Twiddle build this machine. Sure, but it's got over 8,000 parts. Might take days to find out what's wrong. Oh. If only the professor had listened to me. I told him not to go. I told... Wait. What's this? What? This open slot under this big steel arm. There are connections to both ends of the slot. Isn't something supposed to fit into it? Where? Right here. Jerusalem. The rheostat timer's gone. The what? The rheostat timer. That's the secret of the whole machine, the most important part of it. No wonder it won't work. What does it look like? It's about three inches long. Just the size of that slot it fits in. Oh. Looks like something like a, a radio tube, only it's got a dial and a timing mechanism in it. Oh, where? I see it. You do? Where? Right over here in Dr. Marsh's briefcase. Why, the dirty crook I like... Never mind, never mind. The police will take care of him. Here, put this back in the machine where it belongs. Maybe broken. All right, try the machine now. Well, is it working? Yes, but I'm sure we're too late. Maybe not. What's this moving indicator on this screen? Drawing a jagged line. That shows the length of the radar beam. Those little squares it's going through mark every 2,000 miles. Jim's message said they were 10,000 miles up. I don't think they're there anymore. Will you stop being a crepe Will this indicator tell us that the rocket's still there? If the beam picks up the rocket, a little bell will ring. That'll be the echo recording. The indicator is almost at 5,000 miles now. The beam travels 5,000 miles a minute. Okay, get ready. We're at 6,000 now. Oh, Jim would get himself in a mess like this. He should have known better. Oh, should the professor. I kept telling him not to try it. I knew it wouldn't work. Well, it might work yet. The indicator shows the beam is 8,000 miles up now. In a moment, if the rocket is still there... It can't be. It must be. There isn't one chance in a hundred. No, sir. Not one chance in a hundred. Tense and anxious, Superman watches the distance indicator as it climbs slowly above the 8,000-mile mark. Will it find the tiny rocket in the vast reaches of limitless, uncharted space? Tomorrow's episode is tense and exciting, fellows and girls, so don't miss it. Tune in, same time, same station, and follow the adventures of Superman. Faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Able to leap tall buildings at a single bound. Look, up in the sky, it's a bird. It's a plane. It's Superman. 
Fellows and girls, be sure to follow the adventures of Superman. Brought to you every day, Monday through Friday, same time, same station, by the grand old Kellogg Company of Battle Creek. And for other thrilling adventures of Superman, see your local newspaper. Superman is also a copyrighted feature, appearing in Superman DZ Publications. You're tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater, presented by Phoenix Media. Up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane. No, it's Superman. Faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Able to leap tall buildings at a single bound. Look, up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane, it's Superman! Yes, it's Superman, strange visitor from another planet who came to Earth with powers and abilities far beyond those of mortal men. Superman, defender of law and order, champion of equal rights, valiant, courageous fighter against the forces of hate and prejudice. Today in Professor Twiddle's home, the man of steel waits anxiously as a radar device sends its powerful beam to the rescue of Jimmy Olsen, marooned high above the Earth in a tiny rocket. We'll know the outcome in a moment. But right now, let's join Dan McCullough and his red-headed young pal, Rusty, who's telling what happened to him today. You see, Dan, a bunch of us kids were in the schoolyard swapping duplicate comic buttons. You know, we're all collecting them from packages of Kellogg's pets. Sure. Well, one of the guys traded a KO button for a Superman. Why, that's a fair trade, I'd say. Yeah, but what will you hear? I was kind of disappointed because I had an extra Superman I wanted to swap. Well, you'll get another chance. Oh, I did. Listen. Then this fellow comes up to me and he says, you want to swap a Superman for a Smoky Stover button? Hey, swell. You know, you said the other day that you needed Smoky Stover. So I said, sure, and we traded. Well, that's fun. But, but say, what on earth did he want two Superman buttons for? Well, that's the point. I couldn't figure it out either, so I asked him. And? And he said he's collecting all Superman buttons. That's the only kind he collects. And he trades all the others. He's already got 25 of them pinned on his jacket. <laughs> well, now, that's a new angle to collecting pet comic buttons, isn't it, gang? Well, it just goes to show you how many different kinds of fun there are in this swell sport. And these pet comic buttons are so doggone smart looking that, well, you'll be mighty proud when you have all 18 of them pinned on your jacket or your dress or cap. But you know, the best part is, these pet comic buttons are so easy to get, you don't have to send in any money, not even a box stop. Fact is, you can't buy them anywhere. All you do is to make sure Mom supplies you with plenty of that super delicious whole wheat flake cereal, Kellogg's Pet. And there's your exclusive prize right inside the package. Remember, that's P-E-P, Pep, made by Kellogg's of Battle Creek. Now, the adventures of Superman. As you remember, Professor Timothy T. Twiddle, a somewhat eccentric scientist, attempted a daring trip to the moon in his radar rocket, accompanied by Jimmy Olsen and Poco, the strange little man from the planet Utopia who speaks in rhyme. But when the rocket reached an altitude of 10,000 miles above the Earth, the radar beam on which it was being projected suddenly stopped, leaving the rocket suspended in space. Attaching messages to a pair of pigeons, Jimmy managed to get word of his predicament to Clark Kent, who, as Superman, hurried to Professor Twiddle's house in Metropolis, where the radar machine was located. There he found that two men had bound and gagged Gloomy Gus, Professor Twiddle's assistant, and had shut off the radar beam. Overpowering the men, Superman instructed Gus to send out the radar beam again in an effort to contact the rocket. And as we continue now, the Man of Steel stands at the radar control board, watching an indicator record the progress of the beam. Listen. Good work, Gus. You got the beam up 8,000 miles. Jim's message said they were stuck at 10,000. That was yesterday. Well, they must still be in the same position. There's nothing to move them in space. Maybe yes, maybe no. Oh, you're pessimistic. Isn't there any bright side? Sure. That's the trouble. There is a bright side. The sun, too bright. Probably burned the rocket to a crisp. I doubt it. I don't. Hold it. The beam's almost at the 10,000-mile mark. You said a bell would ring if it meets the rocket, didn't you? If it does. But take my word for it, the rocket's gone by now. 
Is that the bell? Well, looks like I was wrong. Oh, thank heaven you were. Quick now, reverse that beam and bring the rocket back. It can't be done. Why not? The rocket's monitored for the moon. It has to hit the moon to come back. Hit it? Yes. It's supposed to slow up when it reaches the moon. When it makes a contact, the mechanism in the nose reverses the monitor, and the rocket rides the beam back to Earth. All the harebrained crackpot stunts I ever heard of. That's what I told the professor, but he wouldn't listen to me. Let's see, now, the moon's a quarter of a million miles from the Earth, isn't it? 240,000 right now. Okay, and the rocket travels at the rate of 5,000 miles a minute. It's at the 10,000 mark now, so that means it'll take uh, approximately 46 minutes to reach the moon. I'll get you a pencil. Never mind, you stay at the control board. I can do this in my head. 46 minutes to reach the moon, another 48 minutes to return to Earth. That's 94 minutes all told. Uh, a little more than an hour and a half. Unless something else happens. Well, we'll hope nothing does. Oh, wait a minute. What about oxygen? Oxygen? Yes, there's none in space. So far as we know, none on the moon either. I hope Professor Twiddle took plenty with him. Oh, that does it. What? Now, don't tell me he forgot to equip the rocket with oxygen tanks. He didn't forget, but he only took a 24-hour supply. Uh-oh. You see, I told you they were done for. If only they'd listened to me. I told the professor... Hold it, Gus. Hold it. What time did they leave yesterday? Yesterday afternoon. What time yesterday afternoon? I told you, ten minutes after three, they haven't got a chance. Take it easy. It's five minutes after one now. That means they have a two-hour oxygen supply left. And if all goes well, they'll be back here in an hour and a half. If all goes well, but it won't. I'm sure it won't. Well, you were sure the rocket had burned up in space, remember? Just blind luck that it didn't. They can't be that lucky again. Something else will happen, you'll see. Let's hope you're wrong again. What does that indicator say? 30,000 miles. Still a long way from the moon. Too long. They'll never make it. They must make it. Keep that radar beam going, Gus. It all depends on you. Tensely, Superman watches the indicator on the radar screen touch 40,000 miles. Through 50. And in his mind's eye, he visualizes the rocket like a tiny silver bullet hurtling through limitless space. Beads of perspiration stand out on his forehead as the indicator climbs slowly to 80,000, 100,000, 150,000, and finally 200,000. Meanwhile, inside the rocket, Professor Twiddle is beside himself with glee. <laughs> they said I couldn't do it, eh? Look at it through the plexiglass nose, young man. You too, Coco. Tell me what you see. What? Gosh, what is that out there? Oh, me, oh, my. It fills the sky. Don't be alarmed, don't be alarmed. That's our destination. Oh, you mean the moon? Yes, indeed. We're very close to it now. Looks quite different from up here, doesn't it? Oh, it's so big. The diameter of the moon is about one-fourth that of Earth. Golly, I didn't know it was that big. What are those tall things sticking up on it? Mountains. You mean there are mountains on the moon? Actually, that's all the moon is. A mass of mountains and craters covered with meteoric dust. Of course, I'm speaking about this side of the moon. Nobody has any idea what the other side is like. What other side? You have a short memory. So I'll explain again. The moon revolves on its axis in exactly the time it takes for it to settle the Earth. Therefore, it always presents the same side to the earthly observer. Is that clear? Why, I guess so. Oh, to me, it's just as clear as mud, but it's mathematics. I'm a dud. <laughs> you don't have to know mathematics to realize everything has two sides, Coco. One side of the moon we know about. The other, we don't. Uh, uh, but we're going to find out. Imagine, in just a few moments, we'll touch the moon. Touch it? You mean we're going to land there? Of course not. The plexiglass nose of the rocket will merely contact the moon lightly. Contacted lightly? At 5,000 miles a minute? Oh, dear. Our end is near. Nonsense, nonsense. The rocket is monitored to slow almost to a stop as we reach the moon. Oh, At uh... the moment of contact, that small mechanism you see in the plexiglass nose reverses the rocket, and we immediately start back to Earth on the radar beam. Well, the sooner the better. Think of it. Think of it. We're the first human beings to reach the moon. Our names will go down in history. Oh, we'll be famous, like Andy and Amos. I don't want to be famous. I just want to get back to Metropolis. You'll be back within an hour. I hope. I know. Well, I, I don't like to be a wet blanket, but it's only a miracle we're still alive. <laughs> 
What's that? Oh, bang, bang. A bell rang. Don't be alarmed. Don't be alarmed. That was a signal that we've come within the orbit of the moon. Look below now. In a moment, we'll be passing over it. Golly. Imagine looking down at the moon. Well, let's make a story for the Daily Planet. <clears throat> Remember, the name is Twiddle. Professor Timothy T. Twiddle. My trip to the moon by James Olson. Oh, that ought to get me a raise from Mr. White. Look! Look! We are passing to the other side of the moon. We are? Yes. In a moment, we'll know what's there. Oh, gosh. Do you suppose it's any different from this side, Professor? Who knows? Who knows? There may be even atmosphere there. And even fauna and flora. And who is fauna and who is flora? I know two girls named Della and Dora. Well, they're not girls, Poco. Fauna is animal life and flora is vegetation. Do you think maybe there might be people on the other side of the moon, Professor? I have no idea, young man. No idea. But we'll find out directly. What's that? The rocket is shutting. Look sharply now. We are coming to the other side of the moon. Tense and eager, Jimmy Olsen, Professor Twiddle, and Poco peer through the plexiglass nose of the radar rocket, about to see what no other human eyes have ever seen. What is on the other side of the moon? Now, back to the adventures of Superman. In a radar rocket traveling at the incredible speed of 5,000 miles a minute, Jimmy Olsen, Professor Timothy Twiddle, and Poco have just passed over the barren, craggy side of the moon, which is visible from the Earth. Now they have crossed a towering range of mountains covered with fine meteoric dust and are above the unknown other side of the moon. Look! The hidden side of the moon is below us. It looks different from the other side, Professor. The mountains are much lower and... There's grass. No, no, it isn't grass, but blood, my dear, blood, my dear, it is a form of vegetation. That means there must be moisture on this side of the moon. Perhaps even atmosphere. But you mean there's air for people to breathe? I wouldn't be too sure about that. I, uh, I don't see any form of animal life. No, I don't either. It's deserted. We've been listening. What's happening? Don't be alarmed. Don't be alarmed. Don't get excited. Everything's all right. But we're falling. No, we're not. No, we're not. They're just drifting down to make contact. The moment we touch, we'll swing around and return to us. You hope. Professor Twiddle knows. Yeah, but James Olsen doesn't like this. Well, neither did Poco. And that's no joke. Oh, we're getting lower and lower. Golly, Professor. Are you sure we'll head back to Earth as soon as we touch the moon? No doubt about it, young man. No doubt about it. The monitor mechanism will immediately reverse itself on contact with the moon and carry us back on the radar beam. Now, don't disturb me. I must make notes on everything I see. We only have a second or two before, uh... uh... What? We touched. We just touched. Steady, my boy. Steady. We're not moving. That's strange. You said we'd turn around. Professor Twiddle, what happened? I... I don't know, young man. But something is seriously wrong. I... I'm afraid we're stuck on the moon. Their jaws sagging. Their eyes literally popping from their heads. Jimmy Olsen and Poco here, Professor Twiddle, admit that the radar rocket is stuck on the moon. That something has gone wrong. What will happen now? Well, anything can happen on the moon, and believe me, it does. So don't miss a single word of it. Tune in tomorrow, same time, same station, for the adventures of Superman. Faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Able to leap tall buildings at a single bound. Up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane, it's Superman! Fellows and girls, be sure to follow the adventures of Superman. Brought to you every day, Monday through Friday, same time, same station, by the grand old Kellogg Company of Battle Creek. And for other thrilling adventures of Superman, see your local newspaper. Superman is also a copyrighted feature, appearing in Superman DC Publications. You're tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater, presented by Phoenix Media. Up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane. No, it's Superman.
The moon looks as bare as a desert. We may not have to worry about sea, young man. What do you mean? We may not live long enough to starve. Huh? Oh, Jesus Christ. You forget we have only a little more than an hour's supply of oxygen left in our tank. Oh, God. And while there may be a small amount of moisture and atmosphere on this side of the moon, since we can see some slight vegetation, I very much doubt that there is enough oxygen to sustain human life. Oh, great. I've changed my friend. We've reached the end. No. No, it can't be. I, I've got to do something. What can you do? I don't know, but I'm going to do something. Where are you going, young man? I'm going out to look around. No, no, you mustn't. Why not? You'll be roasted alive during the day and this day now. The temperature on the moon rises to 260 degrees Fahrenheit. Maybe on the other side of the moon, but not on this side. What makes you say that? Oh, because if it was 260 degrees outside, we'd be baked potatoes by now. Bless my beard, I believe you're right. You have rain, young man. You really have. Oh, thanks. How do you get this door open? Wait, don't open it. Why not? You're probably right about the temperature, but if there's no oxygen out there, as I suspect... You won't last a minute. Well, so what? I'd rather be finished in a minute than wait like a rat trap for our oxygen supply to give out. Maybe there is some way of, of saving ourselves. Let me out, Professor, and slam the door after me. Yeah, me too. I'll go with you. No, you stay here, Poco. I'll go. If this is the end, I'll die with my friend. Oh, gee, thanks, Poco. But... I said I'll go with Jim. After all, I got you into this, and it's my responsibility to see it through. Someone must remain in the rocket, and that's you, Poco. Now stand here by the door, and as soon as Jim and I are outside, slam it and throw the bolt. No, I, I do as the professor says, Polka. Oh, between you and Fiddle, I'm caught in the middle. Ready, young man? I... I mean, Jim? Ready? Be seeing you, Polka. Oh, me, oh, my. Goodbye, goodbye. Come on, Jim. Okay, slam the door, Polka. Stepping out of the rocket, Jimmy Olsen and Professor Twiddle set foot on the surface of the moon. What will happen to them? Now, back to the adventures of Superman. <laughs> Trapped on the moon with only one hour's supply of oxygen left, Jimmy Olsen and Professor Twiddle decided to chant instant death by leaving the rocket. As we join now, they have walked several yards on the barren surface. Around them tower high mountains covered with a silvery, silvery meteoric dust that shimmers in the dazzling rays of the sun. A thin, wiry stubble of coarse grass seems to be growing out of the silvery dust. A low, eerie wind blows, and it is strangely dry. It seems to have no moisture, no smell of soil and trees like the winds on Earth. Its empty sound is the only sound on all the moon, save for the crunching footsteps of Jimmy and Professor Twiddle. I can breathe, Professor. I can breathe. Bless my dear, bless my dear, so can I. There must be an atmosphere on this side of the moon. There must be oxygen. How hot did you say it was? Uh, I would get to the neighborhood of 100 degrees. That's plenty hot. Yeah, but we can live in it. Can we? Of course we can. Well, what are we going to eat? Huh? Oh, oh dear me. Yeah, and drink. Now, bless us, I was so amazed with there being an atmosphere to sustain us. That I quite forgot about food and water. We uh, soon eat those things, don't we? I don't know about you, but I do. I'm so hungry now, I could practically eat that grass or whatever it is. Of course. Of course. Stop. Stop a minute. What is it? The grass. What about it? Uh, it uh, it's dry, but uh, maybe water in it. Water? Certainly, certainly. It's vegetation, isn't it? Vegetation can't live without water. Well, I wouldn't say this stuff was living. It looks dead to me. Uh, you may be right. But let me chew some of it. How does it taste? It, uh, it has no taste at all. Oh. Nor has it any moisture. And I'm quite sure it isn't digestible. Well, that's that. Oh, boy, are we in a pickle. Pickle? Uh, what about a pickle? I said we're in one. <laughs> oh, I, I thought you said you had one. Oh. Uh, yes, indeed, we certainly are in a pickle. In fact, I, I've never been in such a pickle as this pickle in all my life. Neither have I. If only we... What's that? What? Don't you hear that noise? What? But yes. What is it? That's what I want to know. Please. Look, Jimmy, what is it? Look, all around it. 
Did you see those things coming out of the ground? What? Look, my dear. Yes. Long, thin spirals, like, like, like black corkscrews. Yes. Speak of lizards. Look, Professor. There comes a head out of the ground. Good gracious. And there's another. Another. And another. And there come their bodies. Sweet. They're little men. Look, my dear. Men. No. They're monkeys. They've got tails. And those, those long corkscrews at their noses. This is amazing. I must examine. Look out, they're coming for us. Come on, Professor, back to the rocket. Oh, oh, dear me. That was doing it. We've got to get into the rocket. Marco, Marco, open the door. Marco, hurry, Jim, hurry. Marco, open the door. He heard it. The door's open. Step on it, Professor. They're gaining. Oh, my dear. Bless my legs. Bless my soul. Here we are. Dive in, Professor. And the door's open. Oh, hurry, worry, hurry, sorry. Oh. He made it. By an eyelash. But they're swarming all over the rock. What do we do? What do we do? Alarmed, Jimmy Olsen, Professor Twiddle, and Poco stare through the plastic glass nose of the rocket at the strange, frightening moon creatures with their long, corkscrew-like noses, swarming over the rock like huge beetles. Meanwhile, a quarter of a million miles away, in Professor Twiddle's house in Metropolis, Superman stands at the radar control board with gloomy guts, the professor's sad-faced assistant. Five o'clock, Guts. The rocket should have been here 15 minutes ago. They must be wrong. I told you they'd never make it. Well, there's only one thing to do. I've got to look for that rocket. You'll never find it. It's lost in space. I'm going to try. Now, look, you keep the radar beam going. I'm going to follow it. You can't live up in space. There's no oxygen, and the direct rays of the sun will burn you alive. I'll find out soon enough. All right, roll the roof back. But I did. Roll it back, I said. Hurry. Okay. There you are. But if you'll listen to me. You just keep that radar beam going. And wish me luck. Up! Leaping up through the open roof, Superman streaks through the heavens toward the moon, following the faint humble radar beam in a desperate effort to find his friends. What is ahead for him? And for Jimmy, Poco, and Professor Twiddle, trapped in the rocket with the strange moon creatures swarming all over him. Fellows and girls, if you like excitement, don't miss Monday's amazing episode, whatever you do. It's jam-packed with thrills. So be sure to tune in Monday, same time, same station, for the adventures of Superman. Faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Able to leap tall buildings at a single bound. Look, up in the sky. It's a bird. It's a plane. It's Superman. Fellows and girls, be sure to follow the adventures of Superman. Brought to you every day, Monday through Friday. Same time, same station. By the grand old Kellogg Company of Battle Creek. And for other thrilling adventures of Superman, see your local newspaper. Superman is also a copyrighted feature appearing in Superman DC Publications. Get this and previous episodes of Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater wherever you get podcasts or by visiting phoenixmedia.us forward slash Silver Age Heroes. Join us again, same bat time, same bat station, for another presentation of Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater. Excelsior! Thank you for tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater. I'm your host, Christian Phoenix. 
Now, growing up as a comic book fan of the 80s and 90s, I've always been fascinated with how storytellers translated these iconic heroes from the page to film, television, and radio. Long before we got the big-budget CGI epics we enjoy today, children gathered around their radios to hear their favorite do-gooders come to life with little more than their imaginations and these broadcasts from a time long forgotten. I invite you to gather around your radio for this presentation of Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater. Than a locomotive. Able to leap tall buildings at a single bound. Look, up in the sky. It's a bird. It's a plane. It's Superman. Yes, it's Superman, strange visitor from another planet who came to us with powers and abilities far beyond those of mortal men. Superman, defender of law and order, champion of equal rights, valiant, courageous fighter against the forces of hate and prejudice, who is today winging his way toward the moon while on its brittle surface. Jimmy Olsen and his companions have discovered some very weird inhabitants. We'll learn more about them in a moment. But right now, let's hear from our good friend, Dan McCullough. You know, gang, I don't believe I know a fellow or a girl who doesn't get a kick out of following Superman's adventures in the funny papers and listening to him on the radio. So it's mighty swell that Kellogg's Pet included him in this series of comic buttons you're all collecting. There he is, big and powerful and handsome, his bright red cape flying in the wind. Why, he looks so real, you can almost imagine him say, up, up, and away! And you know, all the other pictures of your favorite comic strip characters are just as true to life, like Moon Mullins or Smitty or Harold Dean. And by this time, you ought to be well on your way toward having all 18 buttons of the series. And you've had a load of fun looking forward to a new button every time Mom opens a new package of pets and swapping duplicates with your pals, too. So hop to it, gang. See if you can get all 18 of those buttons soon. They're easy to get, you know. You don't send in a single penny, not even a box stop. And you can't buy these flake buttons anywhere. All you do is to make sure Mom gets you plenty of that super delicious whole wheat flake cereal, Kellogg's Pep. And there's an exclusive prize inside the package. Remember, that's P-E-P, Pep, made by Kellogg's of Battle Creek. Now, the adventures of Superman. When Jimmy Olsen and Poco set out with Professor Timothy Twiddle in his radar rocket on a trip to the moon, Professor promised they would be back in Metropolis in less than two hours. But instead of merely grazing the moon's surface and returning to Earth on the radar beam, the rocket landed and stopped dead. Realizing that they could not exist without food and water, Jimmy and the professor set out to explore the moon, a hot, desolate vista of barren mountains and craters, covered with silvery, meteoric dust. But there was oxygen in the atmosphere, evidently enough to sustain life. Suddenly, they were amazed to see shaggy, man-like creatures boring their way up from under the moon's surface. The creatures were about three feet tall, with twisting monkey tails and long, corkscrew-like drilling appendages instead of noses. Alarmed, Jimmy and the professor raced back to the rocket, pursued by the strange moon creatures who swarmed over the spaceship. And now, to everyone's stark amazement, they begin drilling through the metal shell. Keepers, they're drilling through the rocket. They'll be in here right away. Oh, stop, stop, keep them out. What do we do, Professor? Do, 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 do. Yes, look, there comes one of their noses through the rocket now. That's my beard, how strange. But it isn't really a nose, you know. It's the bright muddy rooting Oh, you're a big help. Oh, I had something to fight them with. There isn't anything in this. 
be amazing. I must put this down in my notebook. Where's my notebook? Where's my notebook, I say? Oh, those birds are so fierce and their beaks so bold. Oh, just to look at them make my blood run cold. They, they look wicked, all right. Two pieces. They're as big as a P-38. And listen to the fearful cries. Whoever's caught by them just died. Now, take it easy, Coco. They didn't catch any of the moon creatures, so they may fly away again. I hope. Well, I hope so, too. I'm still pain through. Well, there's nothing to be scared about. Oh, they're coming this way. Oh, dear. I hear our aunt near. But that's... You, you say they're coming this way? Yes, look. They're flying over the rocket now. Bless me, bless me. So they are. And they're circling lower. Oh, they are indeed. And who will help us in our hour of need? Bless my beard. This appears to be a very serious situation. You're not kidding, Professor. You're not kidding. Their eyes wide, their hearts hammering. Jimmy Olsen, Poco, and Professor Quiddle look aloft through their torn rockets to the huge winged creatures flying above them. Gradually circling lower and lower. What can they do to protect themselves? So, back to the adventures of Superman. As the huge vulture-like birds circle above Professor Twiddle's rocket, Superman is streaking through space, following the radar beam sent from Professor Twiddle's house in Metropolis to the moon. No sign of the rocket yet. If only this radar beam leads me to it. But, faster! Jim should have known better than to do a crazy thing like this. A rocket set to the moon. Of all the quick... Oh. What's that? Something... Something hit me. Oh. What's wrong? I'm losing my strength. Damn it, it's The sun. Direct waves caught me. Billions and billions of heat pulse. Uh, I must get away from them. Away! Better. I'm all right now. I can go on. Find Jimmy and Polka. Wait a minute. The radar beam. Where is it? I don't hear it anymore. Wait, God. I lost it when I was dodging the sun's rays. Was it to the right? Away! No, I don't hear it. Maybe it was to the left. Away! No. I still don't hear it. I've got to find it. I must. Otherwise, I'm lost too. Away! Hoping and ranging a thousand miles one way, then a thousand miles the other, Superman searches frantically to empty limitless space for the radar beam that means not only salvation for his friends, but his own life. For without the beam, the man of steel himself will be lost in the timeless, endless eternity of the heavens. Will he find the radar beam? And will he reach his friends on the moon in time? Tomorrow's episode is tense and thrilling, fellows and girls, so don't miss it. Tune in, same time, same station for The Adventures of Superman. Faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Able to leap tall buildings at a single bound. Look, up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane, it's Superman. Fellows and girls, be sure to follow The Adventures of Superman. Brought to you every day, Monday through Friday, same time, same station, by the grand old Kellogg Company of Battle Creek. And for other thrilling adventures of Superman, see your local newspaper. Superman is also a copyrighted feature, appearing in Superman DC Publications. Behold my precious. Ooh, yeah, we do something right here, uh huh. The Loot Crate subscription box, yeah, full of exclusive loot on surprises and delivered to your door every month. Just pick up your favorite geeky genre, daddy. 
from the original Loot Crate, the Loot Crate DX collectible boxes, dude! Cowabunga! To the Loot Gaming video game box! Woohoo! Yeehoo! Wowzers! With crates starting as large as $11.99 per month, those are backs just about for all collectors. To get your geek on, head over to phoenixmedia.us forward slash loot crate and claim your exclusive offer. That's F-E-N-I-X media.us forward slash loot crate. Great Scott! Snap into a loot crate, it? You're tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater, presented by Phoenix Media. Up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane, no, it's Superman. Faster than a speeding bullet, more powerful than a locomotive, able to leap tall buildings in a single bound. Look, up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane, it's Superman! Yes, it's Superman, strange visitor from another planet who came to Earth with powers and abilities far beyond those of mortal men. Superman, defender of law and order, champion of equal rights, valiant, courageous fighter against the forces of hate and prejudice. Today, on the distant surface of the moon, the Man of Steel wages a strange battle, a battle with the planet's huge flying mammals. We'll learn the outcome in a moment. But right now, let's join Dan McCullough and his young pal, Rusty, who's trying to work out a problem in mathematics. Two, eight, twelve... Carry one. Oh, that's not right. Hey, Dan. Yeah? How many servings in a package of Kellogg's Peps? You mean uh, regular servings or that bowl full you eat every morning? Oh, half and half, I guess. <laughs> well, you can't figure that way, Rusty. What are you trying to do? Well, you see, I've collected 14 Pep comic buttons, and I'm trying to figure out how soon I'll have 18 in the series. Well, that depends on a lot of things. Uh, swapping duplicates, for instance. You know, you got to scout around and find out who has just the right one to trade with you. Yeah, I know, and it depends on how soon our family empties each box of Kellogg's Pep, too. Sure, and from what I've seen, that's pretty often. I guess it won't be long. Boy, oh boy, I can hardly wait until I've got all 18 of those comic buttons pinned on my jacket. Well, most all the fellows and girls feel that way, Rusty, because every single one of those 18 buttons is a real humdinger. Brilliant comic strip colors on white enameled metal buttons that you'll have for a long time. Pictures of your comic strip friends like Lillums and Uncle Walt and Superman himself. No fellow or girl wants to miss out on a single one. And you don't have to because these exciting comic buttons are easy to get. You don't have to send in any money, not even a box stop. And you can't buy them anywhere. They come only as exclusive prizes in packages of that super delicious whole wheat flake cereal, Kellogg's Pep. So hop to a gang, tell mom you'll eat lots of P-E-P Pep made by Kellogg's of Battle Creek. Now, the adventures of Superman. Stranded on the surface of the moon when Professor Twiddle's radar rocket failed to operate as it should have, Jimmy Olsen, Poco, the little man who talks in rhyme, and the Professor found themselves cut off from the Earth almost a quarter of a million miles away. Fortunately, they were located on the side of the moon containing enough oxygen to sustain life. But it contained other things, too. First, a race of peculiar moon dwellers, shaggy little creatures with monkey tails and human faces, except for their noses, which were long, corkscrew-like appendages, and who evidently lived beneath the surface of the moon. Second, a flock of huge birds, almost the size of horses, which Professor Twiddle identified as winged prehistoric mammals who had vanished from the Earth millions of years ago. Attacked by the venomous birds, Jimmy, Polk, and the Professor were saved by the sudden arrival of Superman. As we continue now, the screaming, sharp-talented creatures have risen into the sky like a horde of huge black locusts to do battle with the blue and red-costumed Man of Steel. In the rocket, Professor Twiddle voices the fear in Jimmy's mind. I wouldn't be too sure. He'll beat them off. You wait and see. Anyone can and Superman. There he goes. Right into the middle of them. 
so boring. It's like, it's like a football game. Maybe it's like a football game to you, but it isn't to me. It's life and death. Bless my dear brother. I don't see it. They got him surrounded. Oh, why doesn't he tackle him one at a time instead? Hey, look, he's, he's free, he's free. Attaboy, Superman, sock him. Bless my dear, yes. Sock him. Did you see that? He swooped down and grabbed two of them by the neck. He's choking them. Look at him drop there in Darnell. I must get one of those men over his Hey, Professor, come back. But this is a scientific expedition. Come back, I said. Don't go out there. Yes, my dear young man, don't you realize those wind mammals are an anthropological rarity? They're extinct. Oh, do tell. You mean they smell? No, Coco, no. They're no longer exist. They vanish. Oh, vanish my eyes. They're up to the sky. I mean something else. Oh, look, fellas, cut it out, will you? We're still in trouble, even with Superman here. He's having a hard time of it with those birds. Look at him up there. I was no match for them. You call, All I can tell you is, if he is, and no one is. Look, he's got two more of them by the neck. Wham! See that? He's using the two he caught to wallop the other. Oh, boy! He's dropping like flies. It's incredible. I told you he'd find a way. Look at him flying over there. Oh, Jim, this is great. Oh, you bet it is. Now maybe we'll get off the moon. I'll tell you. Look at this. Full of holes made by those peculiar moon dwellers. He certainly can't fly through space in this condition. Oh, forget the rocket. We've got Superman. He'll take us back to Earth. Look, the rest of the birds are giving up. They're flying away. Oh, oh, Come on. We're safe now. We can go out. Come on, Professor. Come on, Poco. Yes, yes, of course. I can't move. You don't mind. I'd rather rest and stay home. Okay, Poco. We'll be right back. Come on, Professor. Yes, yes. There's birds all over the place. Anything to do with me, Professor Twiddle? I assume that's who you are. Yes, yes. Professor Timothy T. Twiddle, A M M A P H D. I skipped the alphabet. Huh? Well, Jim. Well, what? Have you anything to say for yourself? I don't know. What do you want me to say? Well, I should think you'd say something after endangering not only your own life but my life as well. Ah. Worrying your mother half to death and driving the Metropolis Police Force out of its mind. What, the Metropolis Police Force? What do you think Inspector Henderson thought when he got those messages? Then, then the pigeon did reach the earth. How else do you think I learned you were up here? Oh, you see, Professor, it worked. So it did, so it did. Well, to get back to the subject, why did you do this, Jim? Do what? Take this mad trip to the moon, this utterly fantastic flight in that, that machine over there. Machine. Machine! Mr. Superman, I'll have you know that is my radar rocket. Machine, indeed. Machine, indeed. Right now, it looks like a cigar-shaped piece of Swiss cheese. Well, the little moon dwellers did that. Born holes in it. The little... Ooh. The moon dwellers. Moon dwellers? Yeah, they live under the ground, and they've got corkscrew things instead of noses. That's what? They use them to bore up and down through the ground. Oh, but they're friendly, not like those birds. But you haven't told us what happened down on Earth, Superman. I mean, about the radar beam. Look, I did, yes. Why was it cut off? Did my assistant just fall asleep, the lady lost? No, he was overpowered by two men. Look, my dear. They left him in a closet and took over the radar machine. Evidently cut off the beam. I should say they did. Who were they? I don't know their names. One of them was tall and red-headed. Tall and... Dr. Potts. That unscrupulous villain. I suspected he was after my secret. I hope you dealt with him severely. Severely enough. Good. Splendid. Well, we're wasting time. I've got to get you people back to work. Incidentally, where's Poco? Oh, he's in a 
pocket resting. Oh. He was scared stiff when those birds attacked us, and I don't think he's recovered yet. Well, let's get him and see if we can pick up the radar beam and follow it back to Earth. All right. Come on. Well, what about my rocket? We're not going to leave it here, are we? I only have two hands, Professor. But, bless my beard, that rocket represents years of research. When we get back to Earth, we'll send a moving van up for us. Oh. <laughs> yes, yes, a very good idea. Oh, come now. You can't be serious. A moving van? Oh, forget the rocket, Professor Twiddle. Let's worry about us. You can always build another rocket, but you can't build another twiddle. Another twiddle? What's a twiddle? Well, you're a twiddle. A Timothy T. Twiddle. That's my bid, so I am. Oh, here we are. Oh, don't bang your head getting into the rocket, Superman. The door's kind of low. All right. Uh, Poco, here's Super... Speaking lizard. What's the matter? Well, the rocket's in. What? Poco's not here. Jim is right. The radar rocket is empty. And Poco is nowhere to be seen. What has happened to the fat little rhymester? Has he been spirited away by another moon menace? Maybe even this time, an invisible one? Now, back to the adventures of Superman. Poco, the fat little man who talks rhyme, is missing. He has mysteriously disappeared from inside the radar rocket and is nowhere to be found. At the moment, Superman is winging high over the bleak, towering mountains of the moon, searching for Poco. While back in the rocket, Professor Twiddle attempts to console Jimmy, whose eyes are flooded with tears. Don't cry, young man. Please don't cry. I'm certain Superman will find Poker. If he finds him up on those mountains, it'll be too late. Too late for what? Too late to save him. So I mean that one of those birds flew off with him. Oh, poor Poker. He, he's gone. He's gone for good. How on earth? I mean, how on the moon did he ever get out of the rocket without our seeing him? We were only a few feet away while we were talking with Superman. That's why I don't understand. If one of those winged mammals had taken off with him, we certainly would have seen it. Then, then what happened to him? Couldn't just melt away, could he? I would hardly think so. But then, on the other hand... On the other hand, what? I suppose anything could happen on the moon. Well, don't talk like that. We've been here for hours, and we haven't melted away. Perhaps we will. Perhaps the peculiar atmosphere here can... Oh, wait a minute. Huh? I thought I heard something. Well, what's that scratching? Nothing I did. I don't know. It stopped. So it did. Very odd. Professor, do you smell something peculiar? No, I can't say that I do. Oh, I certainly do. Yes, yes, now I detect a peculiar odor. What is it? I'm quite sure I don't know. God, something's happening to me. I can't keep my eyes open. I'm getting terribly sleepy. Uh, so am I. Oh, we better get out of here. Yes, yes better. Sleep, I, I can't move. I... Collapsing on the floor of the rocket, Jimmy and Professor Twiddle drop into deep, mysterious sleep, almost in the twinkling of an eye. What is this? A new menace that strikes silently and without being seen? Perhaps the same menace that carried off Poco, or made him invisible to the human eye? Well, whatever it is, you'll want to find out. So be sure not to miss tomorrow's exciting episode, when Superman finds a surprise waiting for him. A surprise that comes close to being a disaster. Tune in tomorrow, same time, same station, and follow the adventures of Superman. Faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Able to leap tall buildings in a single bound. Look, up in the sky, it's a bird. It's a plane. It's Superman. Fellows and girls, be sure to follow the adventures of Superman. Up to you every day, Monday through Friday, same time, same station, by the grand old Kellogg Company of Battle Creek. Superman is also a copyrighted feature, appearing in Superman DC Publications. 
You're tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater, presented by Phoenix Media. Up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane. No, it's Superman. Faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Able to leap tall buildings at a single bound. Look, up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane, it's Superman. Yes, it's Superman, strange visitor from another planet, who came to Earth with powers and abilities far beyond those of mortal men. Superman, defender of law and order, champion of equal rights, valiant, courageous fighter against the forces of hate and prejudice. Today, while Superman searches the barren wastes of the moon for Poco, Jimmy Olsen and Professor Twiddle have been lulled into deep and sudden sleep by some mysterious force. We'll learn more about it in a moment, but right now, here's our good friend... Dan McCullough. You know, gang, one of the exciting things about collecting those swell comic buttons from packages of Kellogg's Pep is that you already know the characters. You've been following their doings in the funny papers for ages. So when you get a button with Orphan Annie's picture on it, for example, well, it's kind of like meeting up with an old friend. And uh, Smitty reminds you of all the funny things that happened to him in the office where he works. And Superman makes you think of the wonderful adventures he's had, saving people from danger and fighting against criminals. It's the same with all 18 of these comic strip characters. And that's one reason why you won't want to miss out on a single one. Another reason is the fun of trading duplicates with your pals and wearing these smart-looking buttons pinned on your jacket or your dress or cap. It's about time now that you should be pretty near to having your collection complete, so you'll want to get busy. Ask Mom to get you a good supply of that super delicious whole wheat flake cereal, Kellogg's Pet, because that's the only way you can get these pet comic buttons. You don't send in any money, not even a box stop. And you can't buy them anywhere, but there's an exclusive prize in every package of P.E.P. Pep, made by Kellogg's of Battle Creek. Now, the adventures of Superman. When Superman left Professor Twiddle's disabled radar rocket and went soaring over the high, bleak mountains of the moon searching for the missing Poco, Jimmy Olsen and the Professor waited in the rocket, hoping against hope that Poco had not been captured and done away with by one of the giant moon birds. They were discussing the fat little rhymester's mysterious disappearance when suddenly they heard a strange scratching. A moment later, a peculiar pungent odor filled the rocket, and before Jimmy or the professor could move, their eyes became drowsy, their heads nodded, and they dropped off into what resembled a dreamy sleep. And no sooner had they fallen asleep than the strange scratching started again. Meanwhile, unsuccessful in his search for Poco, Superman, returning to the rocket, becomes aware at some distance that Jimmy and Professor Twiddle are slumped on the floor of the weird spaceship. Great Scott, what happened to Jimmy and the Professor? They're on cut. Down to the rocket. Down! Jim. Jim, what happened here? Oh, it's cold. Those are Professor. You and your odor in here. I better get them outside. Up with them. That's better. Now, Jim. Mm. Wake up, Jim. Uh, How? By who? Uh, wake up, Jim. Uh, oh, yeah, I've been minutes. I don't understand. Uh, All right, Jim. Boy. Come on, now, wake up, wake up. Uh, I know. Wake up, Jim. Wake up. Oh, oh Superman. That's right. What happened, Jim? The, the professor. He's right here beside you. Oh. He hasn't come through yet. Yes, my dear. All right, come on, wake up, Professor. You're all right. Whoa. 
Poco. Superman, did you find Poco? Is he alive? Whoa, 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 take it easy now. He's just mumbling. But, but what about Poco? Where is he? I don't know, Jim. I couldn't find him. Oh, golly. Yes, I did. Where am I? Where you were ten minutes ago, on the moon. On the moon? Heavenly days, what am I doing on the moon? That's what I'd like to know. Snap out of it, Professor. You were asleep. Asleep? Asleep? Bless my head, now I remember. We both fell asleep, didn't we? Both at the same time? Yes, I smelled something funny in the rock. Oh, no, no, no. First, there was a strange little scratching sound. Oh, that's right. Then Wait a minute. What do you mean by a scratching sound? I'll tell him, Professor. You get too excited. Excited? Excited? Who's excited? Why, I'm pure as a cucumber. Yes, you certainly are. Now, let's get back to that scratching noise. Where did it come from, Jim? Well, I don't know. It, it only lasted for a few seconds. Then I got that funny odor. So did I. And the next thing I knew, I, I couldn't keep my eyes open. Neither could I. Then I guess I fell asleep. And so did I. Neither of us fell asleep. You were drugged. Bless my beard. Drugged? Well, how could we be? No one came near us. We were all alone. That peculiar odor. Must have been a gas. A gas. And hypnotic gas. Very likely. But but where did it come from? That's what we've got to find out. In fact, it may give us a clue to Poco's disappearance. You mean Poco turning the gas? Oh, of course not, Jim. Then, then I don't know what you mean. Well, let's take a look inside the rocket before we do any more speculating. Will you wait here a minute? I'll see whether the odor's gone. All clear. Come on. Go ahead, Professor. Thank you, young man. Thank you. Now, where were you two when all this happened? Well, we were sitting right over there. I was on the left and the Professor was on the right. I believe it was like this. No, it wasn't. I'm sorry, young man. Never mind, never mind. It's not important. But this is. What? See these tiny holes drilled in the bottom of the rocket where you were sitting? Bless my beard. What are they? Evidently, the gas came up through these holes. That doesn't quite make sense. There's nothing under the rocket. The rocket is resting on the surface of the moon. Therefore, the gas couldn't have come up through those holes. Two plus two makes four. This? Good heavens, doesn't it? We'll discuss that later. Right now, we're trying to find out why you were put to sleep. What happened to Boko? Well, wait a minute. We'll wait. We're not going anywhere. It just occurred to me. What did you? Oh, those little moon creatures with their corkscrew noses. They could have made those holes. You mean boring up through the surface of the moon under the rocket? That's right. Bless my beard, he's right. Professor, hasn't that beard of yours had enough blessing for one day? Bless my... Uh, why, uh, yes, I suppose it has. The only trouble is I can't understand why those little moon creatures would do a thing like that. They were friendly before. You say they live under the surface of the moon? Well, that's what we think. We saw them come up out of the ground and then go down again. It isn't ground, young man. It's meteoric dust packed down solidly. Oh, maybe that's the trouble. What trouble? Yeah. Maybe that's why I can't see through it. Golly, I forgot about that. With your X-ray vision, you ought to be able to see way down deep where they live. But I can't. And it's probably because the meteoric dust contains a large amount of lead or some metal similar to lead. Would you know, Professor? Meteoric dust is composed of silicate, carbonate, manganate, nitrate, methylate. It is, eh? Well, that's enough. What about lead? Oh, perhaps, in various forms. That would explain it. My X-ray vision can't penetrate... Oh, gosh, what a rotten break. Well, at any rate, we've got a clue. Now, tell me, where was Poco sitting when you left him to meet me? Oh, over there, I think. Yes, right over there. Let's take a look at the spot. Oh, oh what's this? What's what? Look, a big hole was cut out of the bottom of the rocket just where you say Poco was sitting. A hole about four feet wide. Hole? I don't see any hole. No, neither do I. Oh, the piece of metal that was cut out was replaced. Fit it back in again. Here, I'll pick it out. It's coming, it's coming. Leaper. There. You see? Well, Leaper, look, it's look. There's a shaft that goes down to the earth. Meteoric dust. The meteoric dust of the moon, not the earth. Oh, I don't care what it is. There's a deep shaft. I can't even see to the bottom of it. I can. It 
ends at a tunnel. A tunnel? Yes. Evidently one of the underground streets or passageways of your moon creature friends. Then they must have a sea or something down there. I wouldn't be one bit surprised. That's remarkable. Incredible. But, but what about Polko? Is, is he down there? I'm afraid so, Jim. They evidently put him to sleep just as they did you. Then they bored a shaft up from the tunnel, cut a hole in the bottom of the rocket, and Poco, still fast asleep, dropped down. Oh, gosh, what do we do? I don't know what we can do, Jim. Since I'm unable to see through this meteoric dust or whatever it is, I haven't the faintest idea where Poco is. He may be right under us or a hundred miles away. We'd have to take the entire moon apart to find him. I hate to say this, Jim, but I'm afraid we've seen the last of Poco. Oh, oh no. Fighting to keep his tears back, Jimmy swallows hard and turns away from the deep, dark shaft beneath the rocket. But as he does so, Superman suddenly stiffens and his face lights up. Evidently, he has an idea. Now, back to the adventures of Superman. <laughs> Almost immediately after telling Jimmy that he was afraid they had seen the last of Foco, Superman suddenly got an idea. As he explained it, Although he was unable to penetrate the solidly packed meteoric dust with his X-ray vision and locate Poco underground, there was no reason why they could not descend the shaft and explore the tunnel or passageway. As we continue now, Superman has already descended and is standing in the tunnel at the bottom of the shaft. Jimmy has just dropped down into the Man of Steel's arms, and Professor Twiddle is about to make the leap. All right, come on, Professor. Just drop down. I'll catch you. Are you sure? Of course I'm sure. You saw me catch Jimmy, didn't you? Come on, Professor. Superman never drops anything. I hope this isn't the first time. Well, what about it, Professor? I, I'm getting my courage up. Maybe you prefer staying up there. Hello? Hello? I, I should say not. All right, here I come. I'm ready. One, two, three, six. Oh. Oh. You left my beard. Am I all right? Perfectly all right. Here, stand up. Can I? Of course you can. There. Amazing. Simply amazing. Oh. Get ourselves organized. As you can see, it's pitch dark down here. You mean as we can't see? I'll lead the way. However, darkness doesn't bother me, so I'll lead the way. But I want to warn you both. Stick close to me. Oh, you don't have to worry about that. We'll be right behind you. We'll take further precautions. I want each of you to take a corner of my cape and hold on. Don't let go no matter what happens. Yes, my friend. Are, are you expecting something to happen? From the looks of things down here... Anything can happen. And I mean anything. Well, Superman isn't pulling any punches this time. And when he gets worried and concerned, you can be sure there's trouble ahead. But what kind of trouble? What will Jimmy, Professor Twiddle, and the Man of Steel find in the strange underground city of the moon? Gang, believe you me, you're in for some exciting moments. So don't miss a single solitary episode from now on. You'll hear things you've never heard before as Superman leads the search for Poco in the underground city of the moon. Take my advice. Tune in Monday, same time, same station, and follow the adventures of Superman. Faster than a speeding jet. More powerful than a locomotive. Able to leap tall buildings at a single bound. Look, up in the sky, it's a bird. It's a plane. It's Superman. Fellows and girls, be sure to follow the adventures of Superman. Brought to you every day, Monday through Friday, same time, same station, by the grand old Kellogg Company of Battle Creek. Superman is also a copyrighted feature, appearing in Superman DC publications. 
you're tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater presented by Phoenix Media. Up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane. No, it's Superman. visitor from another planet who came to Earth with powers and abilities far beyond those of mortal men. Superman, defender of law and order, champion of equal rights, valiant, courageous fighter against the forces of hate and prejudice, who today, with Jimmy Olsen and Professor Twiddle, is about to explore the curious underground home of the moon creature. We'll take you to the scene in a moment, but right now, here's a word from your announcer, Dan McCullough. The race is on, gang. The fellows and girls in our neighborhood are as busy as can be these days trying to see who'll be the first to get all 18 of those swell comic buttons from packages of Kellogg's Pet. Everywhere I go, I see jackets and dresses and caps with pet cup buttons pinned on them. I see groups of kids in the schoolyard swapping duplicates and comparing notes on how many pet comic buttons everybody's collected. And I see a lot of thrilling excitement at our house when it's time to open a new package of pets. You know, that's the prize package that brings you these swell comic buttons. And they're real humdingers, colorful to the life pictures of your favorite funny paper characters like Winnie Winkle and Moon Mullins and Superman and Pulp. And you know the best part is, these pet comic buttons are so easy to get. You don't have to send in a single penny, not even a box stop. And you can't buy them anywhere. These comic buttons come only as exclusive prizes in packages of that super delicious whole wheat flake cereal, Kellogg's Pet. So keep working on your collection, gang, because there'll be something new and exciting pretty soon. Get your prizes from P.E.P. Pet, the Sunshine Cereal, made by Kellogg, the greatest name in cereals. Now, the adventures of Superman. Convinced that Poco, the little fat man who talks and rhymes, was abducted by the strange dwarf moon creatures, who seemed to be half human and half monkey, with long tails and his corkscrew appendages instead of noses, Superman, Jimmy Olsen, and Professor Timothy T. Twiddle practically gave up hope of ever seeing him again. It was evident that Poco had been carried down a deep shaft far below the surface of the moon, where the curious creatures lived. Unable to make use of his X-ray vision, due to the fact that the hard-packed meteoric dust of which the moon is composed contained a high proportion of a metal similar to lead, the one substance through which X-rays cannot penetrate, Superman was tiny. However, in our last episode, as you recall, he decided to descend the deep shaft with Jimmy and Professor Twiddle in the hope of somehow tracing the missing Coco. As we continue now, our three friends are in a thick, dark, winding tunnel at the bottom of the shaft. With the young reporter clinging to one corner of his red tape and Professor Twiddle to the other, the man of steel moves forward cautiously, step by step. Listen. You all right back there? Oh, I am. How about you? That's my kid. It's too loud. I can't see my face in front of my nose. Maybe that's a good thing. A good thing? You would look so pretty with your face in front of your nose. I don't see why. Everyone has... <laughs> but my dear, you're right. I don't know how you can make jokes with all of us in danger like this. I'm not in danger yet, Jim. As far as I can see, the tunnel is empty. It is? Yes, the trouble is I can't see far enough. It's twisted and turned like a snake. No, 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 no. Relax, Professor. Relax. I said the tunnel twists and turns like a snake. Oh, you like you went out of me. Snakes are the one thing I fear. They terrify me. Yes, indeed. Positively terrifying. I'm surprised at you. Don't you know that snakes are harmless? Yes, yes, of course. Please, I'd rather not discuss it. Superman. Yes, Jim. How far do you think this, this tunnel goes? No, darling. 
Maybe part of a huge underground labyrinth. Part of a what? Labyrinth, labyrinth. A complicated series of passages from the Greek labyrinth. You, you think there's more than one tunnel? And it all depends on how many of those moon creatures there are. What up an end? What's the name? What? I don't know. They have feet. I don't remember. Do you confess it? So twist it up down here. We can't find our way out. Oh, that's my dear. That's not a clue to me. Don't worry. it comes to work, all we have to do is go straight up, and eventually we reach the surface of the moon. You don't seem to forget we're not equipped with those cross-screw appendages. You seem to forget I'm Superman. Oh, by your hope, please, sir. Don't get absent minded again. This is no place to get absent minded. I should like to remind you, young man, about that. Easy. Easy what? Take it easy. Keep your voice down. Don't be able to hear anything if you shout. It's a terrific echo in this tunnel. I'm sorry. I'm terribly sorry. It's all right. Just try to remember. Yes, this is good. Jim. Yes? How many of the moon creatures did you see? Gosh, I don't know. I didn't count them. I should say... I should say there were about this. They all look alike. Identical. Identical to the last day. Well, you can't be sure of that. We only saw them for a couple of minutes before those birds scared them away. Take my word for it. I examined them closely from a uh, scientific point of view. You say they were friendly? Golly, yes. They swarmed all over. Oh, cool. like, like little dogs. All they wanted was to be petted. They didn't talk, did they? No, they, they made sort of a suck-suck sound. Huh? Almost like chicken. That's the very good description. Except they didn't lay eggs. No, of course not. Well, chickens lay eggs, don't they? All right, all right. Skip it. Skip it? Skip what? Skip everything. Oh. Hey. Hey, Professor, what are you doing? You said to skip everything. I'm skipping. Oh, murder. Don't take you literally, Professor. Walk. Don't skip. Very well. Matter of fact, don't even walk now. Hold up. Yes. Did you hear something again? Yes. It's like the gurgling of water. Oops. I can hear it, but I can't see it. The sharp left turn in the tunnel just ahead. Oh, golly. I hope it is water. I haven't had a drink since we left Metropolis. There's only one way to find out. Come on. Water. It's the very thought of it makes my throat dry. We do find water out of drink and drink and... Oh, Professor, please. Okay. Hear it now? Oh, stop a minute. Yes. Yes, it is water. A subterranean river. Oh, lead us to it, Superman. Hurry. Careful. Not left turn. No. That's my idea. What happened? Oh, the professor walked into the no. tunnel wall. Hector, I warned you. No harm done. No harm done. Let's go. Can you see the water yet, Superman? Yes, I can. I'm not so sure it's water. But black. Like ink. Eh? Oh, good. I can do my fountain pen. Oh, who cares about your fountain pen? We're dying of thirst. Bless my beard, are we? You know. It's right at the edge of the street. Is it water? Just a minute. I'll see. Well, it's cold and it's wet. Well, can I can I take a drink? I don't know. It looks black. What do you say, Professor? Ever hear of black water? Yes, I did know. I've heard of hard water, soft water, heavy water, and alluvial water. What's alluvial water? What if it runs through sand or earth? Well, that's what this must be, except that it's running through meteoric dust. All I want to know is can I take a drink? Half an hour listening to that gurgle. My tongue feels like a dry sponge. Now, wait a minute. I'll taste it. Well? Huh? Tastes all right. Golly, let me at it. Let's let me at it. Easy, easy. One at a time. So I kneel down. Oh, boy. All right, wait a minute. Brace yourself and lean over. No, 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 wait. 
think you better stretch out on your stomach and then we can... Oh, please, stop. Diving into the cold black river, Superman strikes out in the direction of Jimmy's fading cry for help. Now, back to the adventures of Superman. <laughs> Falling into the strange black underground river, Jimmy was swiftly carried away by the current. Warning Professor Twiddle not to move, Superman dove in after the boy reported. As we continue now, the Man of Steel has just returned empty-handed. I, I couldn't find it, Professor. Couldn't find it? No. I don't understand it. I followed that river for almost a mile. That's so cool now, Jimmy. Oh, this is fantastic. He couldn't have been swept down that far. He couldn't have. There's only one explanation. The poor boy drowned. No, no, no. I searched the water carefully. Then, then what happened to him? I don't know. I've never been so confused and uncertain in all my life. You heard him crying for help when I dove in, didn't you? Yes. Yes, of course. It only took me a minute or so. Even less to swim almost a mile. The current isn't that fast. Oh, dear, oh, dear, oh, dear. Oh, why did I ever attempt this trip alone? Why, I ask you, why? Too late to worry about that. We've got to find Jimmy. We've got to find him even if we have to. Did something wrong? Thought I heard. Yeah, I did. Listen. Yes, I did. Someone calling you. Someone. It's Jimmy. Where are you, Jim? Oh, oh, my word. He's calling me. Jim, where are you? Oh, evidently he can't hear you. Strange that we can hear him. Oh, this whole setup is strange. I can't hear him, but I, 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 I can hear him, but I can't see him. There's this meteoric dust is like a wall of lead. Yes. Where are you? Can you hear me? No reply. No reply. But look, look up there in the dark. Superman and Professor Twiddle. What are they? Have they anything to do with the strange and sudden disappearance of the young reporter? Gang, this is just the beginning of Superman's exciting adventure in the mysterious underground city of the moon. So don't miss a single episode. It's packed with thrills and it's different from anything you've ever heard before. So be sure to tune in tomorrow and every day, Monday through Friday, same time, same station, for the adventures of Superman. Fellows and girls, be sure to follow the adventures of Superman. Brought to you every day, Monday through Friday, same time, same station, by the grand old Kellogg Company of Battle Creek. Superman is also a copyrighted feature appearing in Superman DC publications. Get this and previous episodes of Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater wherever you get podcasts or by visiting phoenixmedia.us forward slash silverageheroes. Join us again, same bat time, same bat station, for another presentation of Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater. Excelsior!